Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Challenger Tour podcast with myself, Andy Watson, and our expert, Damien Cust. Um, we are going to be talking about, of course, the tennis that's happened this week. Again, it's a little bit of a replay like last week of Antalya and Quimper. Um, but different storylines came out of it, as we expected they would do. And, you know, there's four events to look forward to next week, as well as apparently something's happening on another tour and some other tennis going on elsewhere. I don't know if you've heard about that, Damien, but um, my question to you in the introduction this week is, other than how are you doing, is um, how much Challenger Tennis do you actually get to watch during Grand Slam events? Yeah, so I'm doing well. And as for the question, it really depends on the Slam and actually pretty much on the time zone. Like, for example, Australia is pretty tough because, you know, you watch you watch the Grand Slam during during nights for me. And then during the day, you should be sleeping. So, you know, some something has to be a little bit, you know, you, you, you can't really watch everything during these weeks. But I will do my best to to watch the to watch the the most I can of, of both the Australian Open and the, and the free challenger events we have next week. Yeah, so it is It is kind of priorities. Maybe you just pick out the, the key matches that you want to watch and, and concentrate on those. Um, so let's just dive straight into the tennis, I think, because there's quite a few storylines that I want to pick up on with you. Um, let's start in France. I think we will again, as we did last week. Um, you know, what what did you make of the tournament overall? Was, was it something that you expected to see? Nakashima kind of go one step further, well, two steps further than where because he ended up winning it. But um, what did you make of the tournament overall this week? Well, I guess he was he was always going to be, you know, somewhere along the favorites for this event. Uh, there were a lot of concerns about his his indoor game after the the first weeks, so maybe it was a bit of a surprise. But I guess the the field generally got just that tiny bit tiny bit worse with with Sebastian Corda pulling out and also what happened to to Davidovich Fukina so uh, you know the, the the ones that really impressed us in the in the previous two weeks so Rinderknecht and Bonzi both both lost early this time so there was there was a Lost three opening sets this week, so it was a great effort from him to to stay positive, keep calm, and and still win still win these matches, especially against Lachko in the semifinals where he where he was on the set in the break. Yeah, we talked about that last week, whether because I, I suggested that in the previous week he he had the opportunities to win, um, but didn't didn't quite get over the line. As you say, he had to fight for all for all of those wins in the middle of the of the tournament, and then kind of got to the final and probably felt quite confident about making it through all of those previous rounds and, and putting a good performance really against um, Zapata Morales in the final. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the whole week, I think Zapata Morales was the better performer. He only lost one set to Bonzi, which was obviously a, which was a great match. As, as we said, Bonzi is really on fire right now. And other than that, he pretty much demolished all <laughs> everyone that stood in his way, including the the fifth seed, Denis Kudla, also uh, Petr Goyovchik, who was you know he, he really haven't seen him playing this well in a while, and Zapata Mirales just did, just you know just never even gave them a chance. He, he I think he underperformed in the final, which is 
a bit strange, I guess. He, you know, he he, he was at that stage before uh, a couple of times, so maybe that's a bit strange. But but it's okay. I mean, <laughs> he really did kind of put so much pressure on the serve of the, his opponents during the weeks. Pato Morales, um, Peter Koyovchik got to the semi-finals this week, which was a good upturn in performance for him. But thirty-two percent first serves in it over the match. Um, you're never going to get very far with a percentage like that, um, even against... I mean, I saw someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, forgive me if you're listening to this and this was you, um, saying that a lot of people underestimate uh, Zapata Morales in hardcore and indoor conditions just because of the flag next to his name. Do you find that quite a lot with the Spanish indoors that are just expected to be not so good as they are on clay? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it might be a thing... Uh... Last year, uh, actually, it was two years ago that Zapata Milaj made the finals in Hamburg. And while, you know, his best results still uh, in Hamburg on, on indoors, what I mean. Uh, and while his best results still came on clay last year, I think he's proven that he can be a, a threat on both, on both, in both, uh, you know, on both surfaces, on both, in both conditions. So, you know, after after he had such a great period last year, I was pretty certain that he was going to make a, a push for maybe even the top 100 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first two weeks were pretty bad. I mean, he he had two two, two opening round losses, one in the in the Australian Open qualies, and then and then last week. Uh, but I'm glad he he sorted it out because he's a really exciting player. I mean, uh, such an unusual uh, stroke. I'm talking about his forehand. But it's super effective, and as I said, it, it's a great combination when you can be when you can be successful both indoors and on clay. It should give him a lot a lot of different opportunities to 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 go for titles at at Challenger Tour events throughout the year. So, so he has a lot of great chances to make to make points and keep going up the rankings. Yeah, absolutely. It does give you just uh, almost double the amount of chances to be able to get those points, which are all important, of course, when you're in that 100 to 200 bracket to be able to make um, the ATP events. Um, anybody else stand out for you? Obviously, we've discussed the two finalists there. Any other positive performances that you want to pick up on from Quimper? Well, definitely Lukas Lachko was sort of a surprise. Hasn't been doing well in a while. He actually had to win just two matches to to uh, to reach the semis because he because Artur Kazo withdrew. But... Uh, I definitely did not expect him to expect him to play at this level. His recent performances, especially I remember one match against Dan Sistomi uh, a week ago, that was quite dreadful from both. And that semi against Nakashima, I mean, he really played some. He played some really good tennis there. It wasn't just Nakashima, you know, sl- having a slow start again. It was. It was. It, it, it was. His forehand was really on fire and. And and obviously the serve as as it always is with him, and as I said before, Goyovchik. It's great to see him playing this well again. I mean, he's he over the past years he he has established that he can easily play on the on the ATP tour when he's on. Uh, it's also he he has such an erratic game. I think because he tries to take the ball so early, and when it doesn't work, it's sometimes he he looks like playing. He's playing baseball, but. <laughs> but when when it does, I mean, he, we we've seen a lot of great matches of him, even on the on the to uh, level events. So, yeah, absolutely. I I think of him more as an ATP tour main player, but uh, that's not where his ranking is at the moment. Mid one mid one fifties, I think it is now. 
Um, we might go up a little bit from from this semi-final run, but um, certainly needs to work hard to to get back onto those ATP events. Um, before we leave Quimper, then any disappointments? Anyone that you want to pick up on who's who's having a really bad time of it? Are we, you know, Lucas Lucas Pui is still not uh, still not at his best. He got through that tough opening draw as we talked about last uh, last week against Yannick Madden, but then actually lost against Tobias Kankwe. Uh, also a dangerous player, but you know, it's a, it's a very slow start. But I guess that was kind of to be expected after after the surgery and and such a long layoff. And uh, I mentioned Alejandro David David Fokina earlier, but. You know, this was really sad to see. Uh, he couldn't go to Australia because of because he contracted the coronavirus, and then he looked like a definitely he looked like a threat here. To, on he only played one set, but you know after after just what was it eleven games he rolled his ankle against Thomas Fabiano and had to withdraw. Uh, later we there, there was. I think it was his Instagram story or something like that where, when we seen him in a wheelchair. So, you know, I don't think we had any any news uh, after that, but hopefully it's not too severe and he can he can come back to play in a week in a month or so. Yeah, absolutely. He looked like a looked like he was dominating. Well, he did dominate that first set against Fabiano and then um, had break points to get a break for. In the in the second set as well, so um, hopefully he gets back to full fitness very soon because it'd be great to see him um, on more challenge tour events if we can. And um, let's skip over to the other side of Europe or the border of Europe and Asia. I still don't know after thirty five years of living on this planet whether Turkey's class is Europe or Asia. Maybe both. Um, and we had a so we mentioned this guy Carlos Taberna last week saying he's possibly the most unlucky draw. Um, two weeks in a row and he got through it and, and came out, you know, on the other side, very happy having been a crown champion in Antalya. What did you make of his run? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty funny that last, last week he, he lost in the first round to, to Munar and then he went on to defeat him in the finals this week. Yeah. Uh, last time we talked about him having tough luck with the draws that he drew the top seeds in both weeks, but maybe it was actually the top seeds that, that were unlucky to, to draw him as well. Uh, maybe it's it's you know the, the other side of the spectrum, but well, I think Joe Souza would agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Taverner had a great run uh, after the restart last year. Uh, he captured his first uh, AT Challenger Tour title in Yasi and then also made the final in Maya in the last week of the year. So definitely, definitely a very dangerous player on clay. Maybe not like not like Zapata Mirales. No, no, he 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 he's pretty much you know his successes only came on 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 this surface. But I was very impressed to see that last week. Why I said that Musetti and Bunar were miles above the above the field or something like that, and mm. the Taverner definitely joined them, uh, joined them this week. And I, I actually saw he was signed up. I think for for the Biela Challenger in in like two weeks. I'm pretty surprised he didn't want to go to to the Golden Swing, but you know maybe that's because his ranking is just not quite allowing him to, to him to get into main draws there. But hopefully he can he can get a lot of uh, playing opportunities on clay soon because he really he could really get up the rankings pretty soon. I think. Yeah, and and how many Munaj you say? Um made it two straight finals. Um, was it a bit of fatigue maybe in the end against Taberna in this final or was Taberna just too good for him? 
I didn't think it, it, it was possible that he would be too fatigued, especially after the semifinals where he had to play just eight games against Genesi. But mm. I, it, it kind of looked like so in the in the second set. I mean, in the second, it, it looked to me like Taberna just smelled blood and you know just upped the pace on his forehand, started dominating the rallies, which which I guess Munar wouldn't really allow him to do as often if he if he wasn't that tiny bit exhausted. Uh, maybe it was the the quarterfinals uh, against Kovalik. I mean that 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 match really could have been a classic if it wasn't for. Uh, for Kovalik, just not not having anything left in the in the tank in the third set, but they played two sets which lasted, I think, two hours and 43, 44 minutes. So maybe maybe just you know it was two ten matches in uh, the last event in Antalya started in on Thursday, so it would be ten matches in eleven days, even if some of them were were pretty slow were were pretty fast like like the Genesi semi or the Robredo semi last week then. Probably accumulated fatigue was was also a factor in that final, but still a fantastic performance from Tabernet, really. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else then that you want to pick out in terms of positives for the week in Antalya? Definitely Kovalik, who also had, didn't have a great start to the year. I think the, this match against Munar in the quarters was played at a very uh, at a really great level. Uh, we've seen Kovalik do do really well on main tour before too, uh, like the, the 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 semis run in Hamburg, was it three years ago now? And uh, he's definitely one of the best players to watch on clay when he when he plays well. Also, uh, finally, you know, someone we've been mentioning uh, every week uh, since we started doing Jack this. Exactly. Yes, he finally yeah. got one. He finally he got, got one. He got a win. And Maybe that'll be the start or something. I hope so. Uh, I mean, there are the. Everyone seems to agree that with him, it's it's a matter of confidence, not yeah. a matter of obviously not a matter of potential or, or lacking talent or anything. Uh, for the second week in a row, he lost to Thomas Martinez. Very definitely, definitely one of also one of very exciting one of the very exciting um, uh, Argentinian prospects that we have on the on the clay court side of the of the challenger circle right now so I wouldn't look look into it that much but you know hopefully that this one win will, will allow him to kind of get some kind of a mental block that he had off and and we can see him playing well again really soon yeah absolutely um, I, I don't want to go too much more on him just because we've mentioned him, like I say, every week, but still good to see him have that first victory um, of the season, really. Um, let's talk about then a couple of disappointments, if there were any, from Antalya. I guess, you know, Joe Souza, um, probably top of that list, even though he, he went out to the eventual champion. Um, he probably wasn't the start to the, to the season that he wanted. Yeah, I mean, I had a bit of a feeling that Staberner could could win this, especially as yeah. Suza hasn't been playing. Also, like 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 I mentioned with Davidovich Fokina due to contracting the COVID nineteen, but it really wasn't a, it really wasn't a, a good match from him. Hopefully, he just needs more playtime. Uh, last week we also said about uh, a bit of we also said we also talked about a bit of the resurgence uh, among the veterans of the circuit and we were mostly talking about Robredo and Lorenzi and yeah. this week they were you know, pretty much back to their to their usual standards they both took a set but you know they the the, the third sets in their in their matches were very lopsided so you know, a little bit, you know, back to back to normal, just reminding us that that age is a thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Even if you are um, Novak Djokovic, Nefran Nadal now in the game towards the mid-30s, I suppose, and still up at the top of uh, the game. But yeah, the age does affect everybody. I know that better than most people sitting here, you know, in my house, struggling to get by day by day and uh, recording this late at night. Yes, you can all feel sorry for me if you like, but I have a wonderful life. <laughs> uh, let's move on to somebody else's wonderful life. Um, let's talk about what's going to be happening next week because we're actually expanding our horizons a little bit here, Damien. We're going into different territories. Where, where do you want to pick up then in terms of um, next week's Challenger Tour? Do you want to go domestic in terms of Europe or do you want to go outside of Europe for the first discussion? Yeah, I think we should start with the most interesting place, also the most interesting name. I saw, uh, I saw that that when the when when it was announced that the challenger was going to, to take place in that in that city, that some people were like, uh, I had to Google it because I thought I thought it was some kind of a joke. Uh, it's Potchef's room in in South Africa. We actually, yeah. you know, we were supposed to have well, kind of did an event there last year, the the first challenger fifty event. Uh, but it was cancelled after uh, somewhere almost at the quarter, quarterfinal stage. One one match was still left, still due to be finished uh, because of the pandemic that was in March. So this time we're going back to to South Africa, and it's actually a bit of an underused place on the tour. I think uh, we as much as much as we haven't really had many players from there. We we've got Lloyd, Lloyd Harris right now on the. On the verge of of the ATP top hundred, I wouldn't really count Kevin Anderson as being South African anymore because he's you know he's pretty much living in the states, and doesn't play for the from the Davis Cup team, but hopefully some of their some of their talents will show will show up in in this in this week's event. Uh, there are, I think, every single uh, qualifying draw wildcard lost today and lost pretty handily. But there are three that three uh, remain that you know that, that that were placed in the main draw, so maybe some of them will will, will show that it's worth to that it's worth playing these, uh, you know, putting events in in places like South Africa. I think it's 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 lacking an event. Variety is always great, so maybe if we can get tennis to to other countries that that maybe aren't as that where it maybe uh, isn't as popular. They also have that's a maybe that maybe that's an interesting fun fact I don't know, but the one of the most famous tennis commentators in the world, uh, Robbie Kenning, he has a son who's uh, obviously Kenning is also a, a former pro. He he has a son who's now seventeen, I think, and also trying to to make his way to to the top of the game. He recently won two two junior events. Uh, in Durban, pretty small ones, but still, you know, ten matches in ten, uh, one ten matches in a row. So maybe that that that's someone who can, you know, uh, also with his father's influence, maybe that's someone who can push South South Africa to become uh, a, a known place in in the tennis world. Yeah, absolutely. They have had um, a history of of tennis players coming out of there. I remember Wayne Ferreira coming coming from there, and yeah. you know, it is good to to use those horizons and like you say South Africa is a place that should have a tennis tournament 
whether it's on Challenger Tour, whether it's on Main Tour. Um, definitely should be an interesting event this week. Um, in terms of the draw that we've got there, um, Gunes Waran is the number one seed. And we've got our old friend Benjamin Bonzi is, is turned up in South Africa this week and is number two seed. Um, I'd like to pick out Jay Clark there, the fourth seed, obviously from Britain. There's also two Brits in the um, still in the qualifying draw who might get through, Liam Brody and Jack Draper, two players that I've seen um, last year. And uh, I'd love to see them make it three Brits in the in the main draw, obviously from a personal perspective. But um, an interesting set of players coming out there and uh, hopefully it'll be a good tournament. What surface is it down there that they're playing on? Hard. Hardcore, yeah. yeah. So let's let's see how that progresses through the week. Is there anyone else you want to pick out from the draw that you think might do well or that we should keep an eye on? You already mentioned Draper. And I am really excited to see him play, honestly. I saw a bit of his in the Battle of the Brits in, what was it, December? December, right? Yes, and yes. Uh, honestly, I, I, you know, it would be great if he could start playing with you know, you know, a lot more events because he, he hasn't really played professional events in, in, in quite a while. Uh, he showed that he has some great potential. For example, that, that win over Sog that got really famous or... Or just any, anywhere else, I mean, even in the Battle of the Breeds, he he really showed some improvements. So I'm really hoping he could qualify. I I don't really remember who he's playing. He's playing Nick Chapel. Ah, Nick Chapel. Okay, he's definitely the the favorite to come through there. Yeah, and I think he could do. He got he could go far in the in the main draw. I think his level is at least from what I've seen in the in the Battle of the Breeds. He his level was good enough that he could that he could really. Uh, you know the, the the fact that he's a qualifier doesn't really doesn't really mean that he won't go deep in the main event. No, in that battle of the Brits in December, he beat Cam Norrie, um, two sets to love seven six seven six. He also beat Jay Clark, who I just mentioned is seeded four in this tournament. He beat him six four six one. So um, he's already handed out a couple of um, big defeats there, and he's gone. He's beaten, as you said, one of the South African. Wild cards in the first round of qualifying six one six one so and, and that was without breaking a sweat if I, I saw a bit of it and yeah he was very comfortable there um, I mentioned that I saw him last year I saw him in Sunderland um, ITF tournament that he actually ended up winning he beat Igor Seesling in the final of that event and he beat Evan Furness Dan Adad, um along the way and a, and a Polish lad in the first round just looking at the results here Mikalski um, in the yeah. first round so. Um, yeah, so interesting. He's only 19, so it'll be good if he can make it into the main draw, as you're saying. We'll, we'll keep an eye on for him. Where do you want to go next, Italy or France? Italy or France? Maybe Italy. I think that's, you know, as a Brit, that's also uh, going to be a pretty interesting place for you this, Why this week. Why Hmm. Let's <laughs> think about that. I mean, who's the top seed in Biela? Let's have a look who's the top seed in Vienna. Oh, yes, of course. Mr. Andrew Murray. I've heard of him. I think he had some sort of hip issues. I don't, okay, let's let's drop it. I mean, yeah, obviously he he got a major wild card here. Uh, it's not a, it's not the first time, as we mentioned last week. He's trying to come back for the Challenger Tour. It's actually the second time, so I made it sound like as if he was doing this constantly. Uh, it's actually the second time, but this is a very hard draw, of course. Maximilian Marter is still coming back after after the long injury layoff that he that he had, but. Definitely a bit underranked at the moment, so Murray will have to be really on top of his game to 
to to try to come through there. Yeah, he could have done with possibly an easier starter. But for someone who had aspirations of doing well in Australia, um, hopefully he can kind of hit the ground running. He, he obviously we can't expect him to be fully tuned up for this at all. But um, he came out in the press this week and had, I don't know if you saw this had a go at the the provision and the LTA. Yeah, I did. That he the rules were too relaxed, and he probably picked up COVID from that. But that that was also about the Battle of the Beats event, event, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of his choice to go there, right? I, I, I don't really. Um, maybe he was. I mean, obviously, we don't know what happened, and it's not for us to say. But if he was expecting certain provisions to be made and certain um, rules to be followed that weren't, then. You know, there's a serious problem there that should be looked at. But yeah, we don't really uh, know the whole story. So. Exactly, we only know one side. As I don't know if there's been a response. I certainly haven't seen if there is. But yeah, me neither. Um, um, yeah, but you know, let's let's see how he does this week. He might well go out first round. Um, but like you say, it's a tough draw. Anybody else in the draw? We've got uh, Federico Gallo. Is it Federico? I've just made that up, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't. Yeah, he's the second seed. <laughs> Um, on his home surface as well. I think you wanted to pick out a wild card, though, didn't you, from this? I did. I wanted to talk about Adrian Andreev, a 19-year-old from Bulgaria. He made the second round at the two-level event in Antalya this uh, this year, the the first week of the of the season. Uh, he actually lost quite quite easily to to Alex Deminor, but obviously, you know, losing losing uh, in straight sets to Alex Deminor is not a bad thing. Uh, he kind of plays, I would say, maybe like even Furness, who we've talked about. Like yeah. he, he's still lacking weapons, but he's been dominating the the ITF tour because because he's simply so incredibly consistent. So definitely someone that could go a few rounds here, but you know who knows? But definitely one of the most talented twenty under twenty players right now. Yeah, I just wanted to, before we leave Biella. Um, I imagine I don't know the calendar as well as you do, but I imagine this is going to be the start of a run of a lot of challenger events in Italy. Um, I wanted to ask you why that is. Why do why does Italy have such a strong tradition in putting challenger events on, and and, and has that created any success for Italian players? Do you think? Definitely created some success. I in into 2020, I think they won just one or two challenger events, but in 2019, I think they they led the tour with 15 titles, I believe. Uh, a lot of the you know a lot of uh, the presidency of of the ATP tour is Italian right now due to mm-hmm. Andrea Godenzi and. Uh, also, both the ATP finals will be played in Italy right now, and the next gen ATP finals. I mean, it's it's pretty much one of the biggest tennis empires in the world right now, which is which is great. I mean, it's great that, that there are some venues that are willing to host uh, for a total of four events. It's actually going to be two weeks, then a break of two weeks, I believe, and then another two weeks in Biela. Uh, this week we have a, a Challenger 80 event and the second one will be bigger, the Challenger 125. But, you know, not everyone is, is willing to, to, hold the, to hold any events under the restrictions. Also, it seems like Italy has just, you know, is one of the countries that has a, an easier time with the coronavirus right now. I'm actually basing that 
solely on on the fact that they're organizing a lot of tennis events i i haven't really checked up the stats but i imagine if if they were I know they were they had it really tough at the beginning of the pandemic, but it you know because of how how easily they they are they they want they they are doing with 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 the events. I I think they are pretty good with it right now. So definitely, Italy is is a very important place in tennis right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, a lot of uh, a lot of power been shifted towards towards Italy in the last few years. Um, which is interesting because I don't think of Italy as a massively, you know, with tennis history with with individual players. I struggle to think of that many that have won Grand Slams. Adriano um, Panatta won a Slam, and yeah. I think that would be all Schivoni. in the Open era, of course. Schivoni won. Ah, Francesca Schivoni, yes, yes. So ah, Flavia Panetta. Okay, there are a couple in the in the women on the women's side. Yeah. Yeah. Not too many on the men's side, but yeah, interesting. And uh, this is what I've always wondered because obviously, I used my, my background was in trading tennis for a bookmaker, and um, obviously, we would trade a lot of challenge tour. And there used to be an Italian event every week, and it used to go just like up and down the country. And uh, I, I've always wondered whether that's really good for the Italian, like kind of getting more Italians into the top 100. And then maybe one of those will go on to become, I mean, we've got a couple. Um, who are very close to breaking through with Berrettini and Sinner. Um, I wonder how they'll go this week in Australia. That's not our jurisdiction, I guess, but um, an interesting one to look out for. Um, Shall we move on to France then? Should we talk about Cherbourg? Yeah, of course. Um, seems to be, unsurprisingly, a lot of players just moving over from um, Quimper to Cherbourg. Um, anybody that you want to pick out that's that's maybe different or uh, that you think will maybe kick on from what they've seen in Quimper? Uh, well, I d- definitely, we we've got a lot of these the same names as you said to look out for the ones who succeeded in previous weeks. So guys like Nakashima, Rinderknecht, Zapata, Mirales, Fairness. Just looking at the draw, but uh maybe you know maybe maybe <laughs> you know I, I I like to pick up on some weird names. Usually, I know you. You were familiar with Kenny the Shepherd, uh, yes, because you liked his name a lot and probably his game too, because it's it's pretty damn great to watch. And it's he received a wild card for this event. Uh, he's been struggling on the on the ITF tour recently, uh, not really not really living up to to what he used to he used to achieve in in tennis. But hopefully, this won't be that much of a demolition against Rodionov. I mean. Indoors with his serve, he can always have a shot there. Uh, I'm also very glad that Kasper Zhuk got got, a, got the chance to play. Uh, as we mentioned last week, if yeah. if Korda if Korda pulled out earlier, then he would have made the draw the qualifying draw in in Quimper. Uh, but <laughs> I actually forgot. Okay, uh, but uh, you know this week he's starting against Maxime Jovier. Seems like a very winnable matchup. We we, we shall see. Jovier also did did pretty great this week. He he only lost to Gojovczyk. Uh, but I'm really glad he got the chance to play because after after that that win over Interknek and other great performances at, at the first event in Quimper, I've seen a lot of people, you know, starting to appreciate him and looking forward to to his development this year, which I which I also uh, am obviously. Yeah. Before we leave uh, Kennedy Shepherd alone. Do you know what his brother's called? We also play the ITF tour. Kenny's? Yeah. 
Oh, I actually don't do not. Joffrey. Okay. Joffrey well, the Shepherd. I think, he only, was, I, think he, I think he has maybe like a, a highest ranking of like 800 and something. Yeah, I think that was and, uh, before my did, time. I don't remember the guy at all. Did Ken, I think he's younger. I think he's younger than Ken. Really? Um, yeah, and yeah. I think it's his brother anyway. I might be making this up. But did no. Kennedy Shepherd, f- forgive me if I'm wrong here, and you may not know this either, but did he not play the Hopman Cup one year for France? Ooh. And, and really struggling for players. I'm sure he was like the seventh ranked Frenchman. Um and played anyway that's my uh that's my lot on kennedy shepherd for now i might i might research kennedy shepherd facts and bring one to the podcast every week okay um although we won't be i don't know if we'll be seeing him very many other events so maybe they will be underused but we shall see um is there any other items of business you wanted to bring up i think we've covered most things not really all right, well, let's go and watch some tennis from the other side of the world, then, shall we? Definitely, but we're but we're also getting up uh, early. In the, well, getting mm. up, basically, maybe not going to bed and and watching the the challengers. We promise you that. Oh yeah, exactly. We're definitely going to be keeping across the challenger events and coming back to you again um, next week with another good show. Hopefully, uh, maybe even better than this one. Who knows if that's even possible? Um, <laughs> thank you for your time, Damien. I really appreciate it. Same for you. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.